Vegas White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. What is up and welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. Happy 2023. It's our very first episode of the brand new year. Got a lot to get to in this first show of 2023. White Sox made a big time signing official earlier this week we've been talking about Andrew Benintendi as a future part of the White Sox for a few weeks with reports but now it's official he has met the media and is sworn in so to speak as a new Chicago White Sox White Sox fans 2023 ticket plans are available now we offer a variety of plans and when you lock in today you'll get flexible payment plans savings on single games great seat locations and more for more information, visit whitesocks.com slash season tickets. So the main topic of the show today is going to be Andrew Benintendi, how he fits with the 2023 White Sox, what his last couple of years have looked like, and I, I think just kind of how this roster is shaping up with uh, 11 weeks, 11 weeks and four days until opening day against the Houston Astros down in Houston, defending World Series champs. I think that's kind of the main idea here. wonder what you think about the signing. I know you've talked about it over the last couple of weeks or so, but now that it's official and we've heard a couple of different things from guys like Rakan and Pedro Griffol, I think we get a little bit better idea of what this roster or how this roster is going to work. Not necessarily what it's going to look like, but how it's going to work in this coming season. So 312-332-3776. That's the phone number on the show as always. This show is yours as much as anything else. We want to talk White Sox with you. At 2.30, we'll talk White Sox with Jesse Rogers. There are a couple of different reports out uh, that may or may not link the White Sox to yet another outfielder, uh, which is good because they could probably use some on the 40-man roster depth, if nothing else. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, and as I mentioned, we get to the uh, the sound we've got from Andrew Benintendi and Grifol and from Rick Hahn. But before we really get going, if you just allow me a moment, I wanted to say thank you in a really big way to a couple of different people. I have been off the show the last uh, month, almost month and a half now. So a big thank you to Tyler Aki and Jesse Rogers and Jeff Meller, who all filled in as hosts. Uh, my wife and I had a baby, our first kid. I took some time to make sure that uh, you know I could help out and be around the house and, and get to meet my daughter as best as I could. So uh, a big thank you to those three and to Kendra Scott, our producer, who put up with, with those three guys who, who can all be absolutely crazy uh, and is now dealing with me back on the show, which is even crazier. But it's uh, it's been a big couple of weeks for us here at the house, and uh, we're really looking forward to 2023, not just for the, the baseball kinds of things, but we get to do the first-time parent deal as well. Uh, and I am very much looking forward to the first time we get to bring the kid out to the ballpark to uh, to get introduced to this great game. So that's where we've been the last couple of weeks. Here's what the White Sox have been up to over the last couple of days. I, I want to first, more than anything else, get you in to some some Andrew Benintendi sound, get you used to his voice, get you used to what he was thinking about when he came over to the White Sox as he was working out this deal uh, with Rick Hahn, with Kenny Williams, uh, with Pedro Gafal, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so let's get to that in, in, in good order. 
I, I think first, what you'll hear from Ben Intendi is the why of his decision. It's a huge deal. Five years, $75 million. It's the largest free agent contract the White Sox have uh, issued to a free agent player, which you've likely known up to this point. Uh, But Andrew talked a bit just the other day about why he chose the White Sox over the other 29 teams in baseball. The thing for me is that um, from the day one of the offseason, there was communication. Um, There was constant interest throughout the entire process. And just talking about it with with Petey, um, with Rick, and um, the, and you know the rest of the front office and everything. So it's uh, glad to be here. This you know it's, it's good to you know be here with a team that's been wanting me from day one. So um, pumped to be here. Yeah, and day one there, as Ben Intendi referenced, is you know kind of day one of the off season. But it's no secret that the White Sox have been interested in Andrew Benintendi since he came out of Arkansas in the Major League Draft in 2015. We we've heard those stories. We've kind of reported some of them. The White Sox have reportedly tried to trade for Benintendi when he was with the Red Sox, even after being drafted. Uh, went to the Royals, then a little bit of time with the Yankees last year. And we'll get into his production in just a little bit, but. All that to say, the White Sox, and, and maybe Rickon most particularly, have been very interested in Benintendi's uh, player profile. So I, I think most importantly here for, for, for in terms of what his player profile is, he's a lefty. He's a lefty that handles the bat really well. He hits in just about every way you'd want to other than power. And, and really... The slash line that brings, you know, kind of the most relief to the White Sox offensively from Ben Intendi is this, and it's career numbers against right-handed pitching, a place where the White Sox offensively over the last couple of years and definitely last season really lacked some, um, I mean, not just thump, but just kind of production or, or even keeping your head above water in, ter- in different points of the season. So Ben Intendi in his career is a 286 hitter against right-handed pitching. He has a 358 career on base against right-handed pitching, and he's got a 451 slug. That's an 808 OPS lifetime against right-handers. And we'll talk a bit about how the power has kind of ebbed and flowed for Andrew Benintendi, but I think something, and we'll get to what Rakan had to say about this probably in the second segment, um, but I, I think the one thing, as we've mentioned before, that Benintendi doesn't necessarily provide to the White Sox are power numbers. However, at the risk of sounding a bit like a broken record from the back to the beginning of the last season, if if guys on this roster hit to their potential, you know, that back of the baseball card kind of stuff and stay a little healthier, they may not need the kind of power uh, that you that, that was out there on the free agent market in other places, perhaps. Benintendi does a lot of other things for this lineup probably hitting out of the second spot, or at least that'd be my guess. That's where Benintendi spent most of his time uh, as a big leaguer, hitting out of that second spot because of his contact ability. Um, so you would figure that that kind of fits in right around there. More from Benintendi. He, uh, he mentioned in the prior cut, Petey. That's Pedro Grifol. Grifol came over, of course, from the Royals to the White Sox. It's his first managerial go. Uh, and Benintendi talked a bit <clears throat> about his relationship with Grifol and how it played into the decision to join the White Sox. I mean, it definitely played a factor. Um, you know, obviously being within the last two years in Kansas City, um, was familiar with you know how he went about his day, his routine, um, the way he, you know, the early work, the the preparation, everything like that is something that you know when I was in Kansas City, it stood out to me. Um, you know, obviously it's it's easy to hear, to joke around with him and everything like that. So um, it's a relationship that I'm 
glad to have so far in the next five years, it's going to get even better. So in, in a lot of ways, it kind of felt, I don't know, obvious is the right word, but, uh, but potential or, or, or full of potential that Benintendi would sign with the White Sox this year. There were a couple of things that kind of, you know, led you the opposite direction. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn kind of starting the offseason by saying the trade market was going to be maybe a little bit more favorable for us, for the White Sox, than the free agent market that, you know, they, they really haven't made a trade of any consequence and have indeed made a couple of free agent signings uh, that matter quite a bit. What with, uh, you know, the starting pitching and now the outfield depth or, or starter that they've acquired in Andrew Benintendi um, and, and Mike Clevenger, of course, who's going to be in the rotation. I, I think, you know, when you've got a relationship like this, when you've got a long-term desire from the organization standpoint to get Benintendi on the team, it almost felt too simplistic to say, oh, Benintendi to the White Sox, signed, sealed, delivered, you're ready to go. I mean, it was not um, it was it was not fait accompli that the White Sox were going to put this kind of free agent contract out there into the world when the season ended last year. So it's a bit of a shift there, but it makes sense, I think, that it's this player, a guy they've kind of coveted for a while, that gets that deal, that is that move that didn't look like the the big move the White Sox were going to make when the offseason started. Uh, Benintendi also talked a bit, like Grafol did when he was introduced to the media, um, about what it was like to play against the White Sox over the last couple of years. Here's Andrew. Obviously, the first thing that stands out when I think about that team is um, the pitching staff, you know, the tough arms in the bullpen, the tough starters. But then it's just a bonus on the other side, too, is the talent at the plate, um, the, the at-bats that guys have, the, the speed, the power. Um, so I'm excited to be a part of that. Um, you know, obviously watching from afar, but the last few years, but uh, to be a part of that lineup, to be a part of, you know, this team, it's, I'm excited to get things going. Ben and Sandy went on to say that uh, Aaron Bummer, I think he might've told uh, Vinny Duber of CHGO that, uh, that Aaron Bummer was kind of the at bat, the, the lefty at bat in particular that uh, Ben and wasn't all that thrilled in taking, over the last couple of years with the sinker he's got, the slider he's got, the, the bummer has. Uh, and I think Ben Intendi joked to Vinny that he'd be walking away from some of those at-bats in spring training. I mean, he's going to have to face him, uh, but not thrilled to do so on the backfields down there in Glendale, Arizona. So that's the latest from Andrew Ben Intendi. I want to bring you some sound from Rick Hahn and Pedro Grafol coming up in the second segment. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. And David was kind enough to uh, to phone the line, and now he's on White Sox Weekly. David, what's up, my man? Hey, Connor. I just wanted to talk about TA. Okay. Uh, I've I've heard some negative connotations with TA. Like, oh, what are we going to do with TA? He's fantastic. He's a fantastic hitter. I watched him win two games last year by himself. Soul yeah. second, soul third, ran in. He's a, he'll hit an oppo homer. He could pull the ball, too. Fantastic hitter. Okay, he makes some errors. Why would anyone say anything about T.A.? Okay, that's my first point. All right. Uh, well, go ahead. You make the second. Uh, we'll wrap up here, the whole but... thing for you. Yeah. Go ahead, David. What else is that? on your mind? So, to... Um, T.A. is now the face of the franchise. Yeah. And we need to uh, – I've uh, t- he's a fantastic player. And I've heard people disgrace 
oh, Tim Anderson sucks. Blah, blah, blah. What are you talking about? David, I appreciate you, my man. Uh, and uh, and I, I'm sure Tim appreciates the backup, too. Listen, Tim Anderson at the top of his game is a top five American League shortstop. Um, the, the spot, the place that his game probably doesn't measure up to the rest of the elite shortstops in the American League is defensively. He has had lapses there. He's has had, he has had rough stretches there for sure. Um, but when he's hitting the way he can, you know, keeping that average up, hitting for a little bit more pop than he did last year, he's elite. There, there's no doubt about it. The guy started the All-Star game last year. Um, from a business side of things, from a roster standpoint side of things, Tim Anderson is a relative bargain when it comes to you know the rest of your free agent crop. You know, you look at the guys who signed deals in this offseason. I guess technically Carlos Correa still hasn't signed a deal yet. Boy, is that getting weird. We'll talk to Jesse about that in a little while. I mean, it's a big story. Correa had signed with the Giants and wasn't, then signed with the Mets and still hasn't. Uh, so we'll talk about that a bit. But but the rest, you know, Dansby Swanson and Xander Bogarts, uh, th- these these guys are signing big-time contracts and and aren't, you know, in a lot of circumstances. You look at Dansby Swanson. Tim Anderson laps Dansby Swanson in terms of production uh, when both are at their best offensively. And, and relatively speaking, Anderson's a, a bargain for the White Sox at what he's being paid. That allows you a lot of roster flexibility or payroll flexibility. And the White Sox flexed some of that to get Andrew Benintendi into the fold. I, I guess if there is, as David is kind of talking about, some frustration anywhere, it's with availability, right? And that's been the big issue, or, or at least one of the big issues for the White Sox over the last three seasons. It's getting guys healthy and keeping them there, whether it's Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, Yasmani Grandal, Yohan Moncada. Or the, I mean, like, there has just been a difficulty in staying on the field for the White Sox, really, you know, since kind of the tail end of the 2020 season. Can those things be fixed? Yeah, sure, absolutely. A, a lot of that, though, is, is out of your control. You know, whether there's a a collision in the outfield or a a hamstring just goes or whatever, some of that is is just bad luck and the nature of the game. So that variance, unfortunately, has hit the White Sox a little bit harder. Uh, And they've made some roster changes, or I guess I should say uh, staff changes, to their strength and conditioning, to their training staff, to the uh, the doctors and all that sort of thing, um, to try and ensure that they've got a better handle on keeping those guys healthy. And that hopefully... Uh, benefits Tim Anderson as much as anybody else. Because when the White Sox have Tim Anderson at shortstop, they win a lot of baseball games. And when they don't, uh, they have struggled to win as many baseball games over the last couple of years. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. I'm Connor McKnight. Uh, More on Andrew Benintendi signing with the White Sox when we come back. You'll hear from General Manager Rick Hahn and from the manager, Pedro Grifol. On the other side of a quick break, it's ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You're listening to ESPN 1000, our first show. 2023 there are actually i i opened up just a browser and searched for you know countdown calendar and punched in opening night for the white Sox and astros 
This uh, web tool shows me 11 weeks, 4 days, 16 hours, 8 minutes, 50 seconds. Technically speaking, first pitch hasn't been set for Thursday, March 30th, uh, but I plugged in 7.30 p.m. So, yeah, I figured there's going to be the ring ceremony and the banner gets raised and all that kind of stuff. So it's probably closer to like an 8 o'clock first pitch or something like that. We'll have pregame show for you here on the station and a whole bunch of spring training games before that. But, you know, while it, you know it's January 7th, is it? Are we, are we close to opening day? No. Are we closer than it feels like? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and the White Sox signed Andrew Benintendi. They made it official, introduced him to reporters earlier this week. And that is the main topic of conversation here on White Sox Weekly this afternoon. We're going to talk to Jesse Rogers in just a couple of minutes. He's our guest on the show today. You can become a White Sox insider today for sweepstakes, special offers, the Friday Five, pre-sales, and other exciting White Sox content delivered free to your inbox. Visit whitesox.com slash insider today. We played some sound from Andrew Benintendi earlier on in the show. We've got some left over from manager Pedro Grifol, who managed, well, he was the hitting coach of the Kansas City Royals last year while Benintendi was there. And Pedro, the new manager of the White Sox, answered a question on how he thinks Andrew Benintendi fits into his vision for the 2023 Sox. He's a very versatile player. And what I mean by that, obviously, he's a left fielder, but he's a very versatile player as far as where we're going to where we hit him in the lineup, he's done everything in the game. He's hit for average. He's hit for some power. He definitely runs the base as well. Um, he fits really well into what we're trying to uh, do here. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and share this little quick story. Um, I went in for my – actually, when I was preparing for my first interview um, with with Rick and, and some of the guys, I identified Benny as a great fit for our ball club, but I didn't mention – uh, his name that particular day. And it wasn't until the second interview with uh, Kenny and Rick that one of them mentioned, hey, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Andrew Benintendi? And I'm like, okay, you mentioned it, not me. So now let me, let me talk about him. So um, he fits perfect. He fits perfect in this ball club. He fits perfect in this park. Um, he's exactly what, uh, what we were looking for this offseason. So Kenny and Kenny or Rick popped the top on the Benintendi conversation when Grafol was interviewing. Um, and I think, you know, he used the word versatile there. Uh, and and Benintendi's going to play left, right? No question there. That's where he plays. But he is a well-rounded player who does a lot of things well. He runs the bases pretty well. He won a gold glove in left in 2021. Um, he's been a, he's got a couple injuries pop up here over the last couple of years, but did play in 126 games in total in 2022. Memory serves. He had a, uh, a hamstring pop up close to the deadline, but that didn't stop the Yankees from acquiring the then 27-year-old left fielder as they made their push to the postseason and, and had Aaron Judge do all the things that he did. Uh, an all-star in 2022, while with the Royals, the number's a lot better there than they were with the New York Yankees. But the slash line on the season in 2022, 304, 373, 399. Anytime we talk slash line, that's average on base and slugging percentage. More from Pedro Griffol. Um, he was asked about the type of teammate that Ben Intendi is going to be with the White Sox. He's real quiet until and a bat doesn't go his way or a call doesn't go his way. And then you just got to kind of stay away from him a little bit and let him, let him do his thing. But 
Um, he's a wonderful kid. I just finished telling his dad that they've done a wonderful job with him. He's, he's a quiet leader, uh, plays the game hard, he respects the game, and uh, he's going to be a hell of a teammate. He's from Cincinnati, or at least uh, born there in 1994 and you'll remember we talked about it before but uh he went to the red sox in the first round seventh overall one pick ahead of the white sox in that year's draft when carson fulmer was taken by the white sox eighth overall so being from cincy and madera high school that means that benintendi has a lot to talk about with tom waddle whenever he's on the waddle and sylvie show both of those guys are cincy guys and believe me when i tell you if you went to high school in Cincinnati, that's all you talk about. It's the only thing that you like. If you ask a Cincy guy, hey, where'd you go to school? They don't think like, oh, where'd you go to college? They, they don't think that you're asking them that. All you want to know is where you went to high school in Cincinnati. And then it's big. Well, you got to see where you're at because there's Muller and there's, there's, there's Xavier X, they call it out there. Not sure where Madeira ranks in terms of Cincinnati high schools, but maybe if Waddle's driving around and listening to this, he can call in and let us know. Uh, probably not where his prestigious high school was, at least in his opinion, but that'll be between him and Ben Intendi. Uh, one more from Pedro Grifol here is the uh, it's kind of the overall question that got asked about the uh, – it's a vibe check, a vibe check on how he feels players are heading into this coming season. Expectations are high. Uh, this is not a rebuilding situation. You know, we're expected to win baseball games. Uh, and, you know, bringing, and, bringing Benny on board, you know, just, uh, you know, lets everybody know that um, we're, in, we're in this thing to uh, do some special things and play October baseball. So uh, everybody's excited and everybody uh, that I've spoken to, all, most all the players that I've spoken to are, are excited for spring training. So that's Pedro Grifol. We'll hear from Rick Hahn in a little bit. And I, I think... You know, one thing I want to point out there about the, uh, the word expectation that he used, I think that is a very, very good thing, obviously, for the White Sox in 23. I, I think it is easy, and, I, and I've heard a lot of White Sox fans kind of um, have a bit of this perspective, understandably so. When you're coming off an 81-81 and 81 season where you were, A, expected to win a playoff series, when you were, B, expected to win your division, when you were C, expected to be well over 500, right? All those goals in kind of descending order, and none of them met by the White Sox in 22. It's a blow. You know, it, it hurts. That hurts in an organization. That hurts from a, a managerial standpoint, from a coaching staff standpoint, from an individual player standpoint, from a fan standpoint. That one hurts. But that doesn't mean that the expectations on this team shouldn't be back up there. Yeah, there's a different look for this team. Having said goodbye to Jose Abreu, now on the Houston Astros, a guy they're going to play against on opening night, come up March 30th, uh, just a little over 11 weeks from now. But still, there are expectations on this team. And whether or not they've got the roster now that's going to meet those expectations is a conversation that we're going to have for the next 11 weeks. And we're going to watch play out in spring training. I want to talk with Jesse Rogers uh, after a quick break, about what the White Sox may yet have to do to improve their club for 2023, we've actually heard bigger rumors around the White Sox than have been than have actually played out uh, in free agency and in the trade market. So we'll check up with Jesse on where those things may be at. We'll, we'll talk league wide as well. See if there's any end to the Carlos Correa saga in sight, and a whole lot more. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. That's the number. Jesse Rogers, our guest next on White Sox Weekly. It's ESPN 1000.
Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN1000. 1000. 1000. Sox fans, if you're planning a special occasion and looking for the perfect location, we've got you covered. When you reserve your group outing for 2023, you get priority access to the biggest matchups and the best space for your group. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash groups. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly, and the voice you're about to hear is a familiar one. You listen anytime on the station, and Jesse's hopping on and filling in. He was kind enough to fill in for me a few times on White Sox Weekly while I was out. Jesse, appreciate that more than more than you know, my man. Thanks so much for hopping on and talking a little baseball with us. How you been? Oh, I'm doing great. Congratulations, Connor. Um, oh, thanks. I uh, understand that um, you're going to need some time away during the season, I guess, because uh, you've got to be a parent now, my friend. So yeah, um, <laughs> sleep is sleep is foreign to me now. Yeah. I, I don't. When it comes, I don't when, it comes it. To, when it comes to baseball, you're not going to get much sleep between that and the baby. So no, no, Congrats no, again. I won't. Yeah, I, it's it's. I'm hoping to set up a pack and play at the ballpark uh, <laughs> so that hopefully I can just have the baby there a few times. I don't know. Oh do that kind of thing. That's that's that, what we'll end up doing. They they should absolutely do that. Just hand the baby to Stone or Benetti or something. Steve Stone's <laughs> great with kids. Uh, DJ loves babies. Like we're gonna. I'm, we're, she's in great hands. She's in yeah. great hands. So Uncle funny. Len's gonna be fantastic too. It'll be good. Oh uh, man, Jesse, I you know we. We were introduced to Andrew Benintendi, um, and I guess more than anything else, from the White Sox perspective, I find it interesting that Rick Kahn kind of started the offseason saying, oh, look at the trade market. I think that's going to be it for us. And instead, it's been two fairly big free agent signings in Mike Clavenger and Andrew Benintendi that shaped the offseason so far. Do you think that there's more to come in that trade market for the White Sox? Are we done? No, I, I think there is more to come. Uh, if I had a guess, and, you know, this is sort of an educated guess in talking to people around the league, there probably is a trade of one of their relievers, a strength of their team, possibly more than anything, just to open up a few dollars based on their payroll and, you know, their, their own budget, um, and, and to acquire a second baseman, or, or uh, whether that be via trade, to you know, pay for one that, that's already under contract, or or pick up a free agent second baseman. I, I think that is possibly in the card still. Move a reliever, use that money to pay for a second baseman, however they acquire that person. Now, you know my feeling. Um, anybody that's listened to me in Chicago for a decade now knows my feeling. Tommy LaStella is available on the trade market. <laughs> the Sox could, could never have enough left-handed hitting the way things have gone. I actually wish you could combine Romy Gonzalez and Tommy LaStella. You'd sure. really have a good switch-hitting decent defensive second baseman, also a guy that can, I mean, Tommy can hit um, without the shift. I, I think Romy's the better option defensively, but I don't know if Romy has the offensive game you might want. So like you need that kind of a combination. Now, I really like Romy Gonzalez because I think he's a smart player and that that's always going to find a spot on my team. So I think he can only get better offensively. I think he could handle things defensively without the shift. But um, And here's the thing, Connor. If they get back to their offensive profile from a year or two ago, I think they can, they can um, you know, withstand playing a guy like Romy Gonzalez who may not bring the most offensively. But I do think they're probably in the market for a second baseman. Um, and it could come via trade for a reliever or at least open up money when they do trade a reliever. 
Well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned kind of being what they need to be offensively because I, I kind of look at that as opening up their potential in terms of dealing one of those arms in the back end of the bullpen. It, it's great to have, you know, your top three guys in that pen, whether it's Bummer or Graveman or Hendricks or Kelly or Lopez or, you know, however you want to shape them up, right? But if you can't get to those guys with a lead, then what can they really provide to you? So I, I like the idea of, of popping a lot more runs on the board um, and maybe not having all of those guys in the back end. I, I want, you know, we saw rumors, I guess, that the Mets had been kind of kicking tires on a Liam Hendricks thing. I think John Heyman reported that weeks ago. Are, are the Mets holding baseball hostage in any way with the Carlos Correa thing working, whether it's, you know, a, a potential Hendricks deal or, so, or something else that they've got cooking? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think from the Mets' perspective, that their business is being held up a little bit because of Correa. I think, as you saw today, there was a trade, a, a, sort of a big trade today. Um, uh, you know, the Phillies acquired a lefty reliever. In fact, I, I think the Phillies were calling around, and, and there was a conversation about Liam Hendricks with them as well. So, uh, but they go ahead and they sign Craig Kimbrell. Now they trade for Gregory Soto. So I think the business of baseball is moving on without Correa. But I think the Mets are kind of in on on hold. Now I'm not sure that. They signed Correa, and then a day later, they're trading for Liam Hendricks. I mean, mm. I think there's been a lot of conversations behind the scenes about White Sox relievers. For some reason, the Hendricks you know, situation has kind of popped to the forefront. But I think they've talked about Crochet coming back from his injury. They've talked about Joe Kelly. I think basically it's kind of what you said. Um, you, you, if you have weaknesses all over your team, you're, you're going to take from your strength if it's the bullpen and move from it because – you're, what's the point, like you said, of having that strength if, every, if there's various weakness all, o- all over the place? So um, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think that um, there's a deal to be had there because it's a strength, and it's just not Liam Hendricks that's been talked about. He's just the biggest name out there. Um, but I'm not sure that you know, once Correa signs, they're, they're going to trade for Liam Hendricks or anything like that. But I do think there'll be a, they'll, they'll be a deal, and I do think the Mets will probably be involved in a, in a, in a deal for a reliever. So – um, if it's not Hendricks, it might be someone else, but it also might be another team. Well, listen, I, I think, too, we're talking with Jesse Rogers here on White Sox Weekly, of course, you know the boys. Um, I, I think, too, you know, when you've got as many options in the back end of the bullpen as the White Sox do, it allows them to kind of control the pace a little bit. You've heard Rick Hahn say, we're fairly happy with the in uh, in, in organization options in second base. And you've mentioned a couple of Romy Gonzalez, Larry Garcia, Lennon Sosa, um, you know, maybe some other minor leaguers that could pop into the thing, or maybe some NRIs like Tommy Listella. But even still, you know, you, you could mix and match there if that guy, whoever that is, is your nine hitter for the first two months of the season before you figure out which reliever is hottest and which one's going to catch the most on a trade and which one's going to fill in that spot best. There, there are worse places to be, I think, you yeah no no i agree like you if you're projecting that some of these guys that underachieved last year are going to get back to to the back of their baseball card at least in some ways mancata and robert and hopefully staying healthy with a few of them as well then you you can do exactly what you're talking about and maybe fill a need later on i i, I do think that but it, it does sound like there's at least another move to be made before before we get to spring training and it, yeah. it feels like it would be a, a, around second base um yeah, you know, I, I I do think you have to think about defense more than ever at second base because of the elimination of the shift. You can you could get away with guys playing deep, you know, in the, into the in, outfield grass and all that jazz. You can't do that anymore. So right. that's where I, I think Tommy has some issues. For example, using him, 
Um, so you got to make sure you're short up there. And if you have enough offense, you think about a defensive player first at second, and I think Romy Gonzalez fits that qualification. There's probably another outfielder that could get added. The White Sox have, in varying forms of their roster, Billy Hamilton, I believe, on a minor league deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Victor Reyes is down there on a non-roster invite contract. But it's Benintendi, Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Gavin Sheets, and Andrew Vaughn listed on their depth chart right now. And as we all know, Andrew Vaughn is their first baseman, not an outfielder. It's been a couple reports, uh, uh, you know, blog kind of stuff. Jake Marisnik's name has been out there. Adam Duvall's name has been out there. Do you do you sense that there could be a, um, you know, kind of a fourth, fifth outfielder type that might be on the uh, might be on the radar for the White Sox, or is second base that next spot? Yeah, I think it's second base. They're, they're uh, uh, NRI. Yes, the answer is yes. They're uh, sure, sure, uh, sure. a veteran NRI for sure. You know, it's funny, you mentioned one of the names there that I I just feel like is completely lost in the mix, and that is Gavin Sheets. I mean, since the GM meetings, I've been sort of asking Rick Hunt every chance I've had, where does Gavin Sheets fit into this thing? Especially so so after you you acquire Andrew Benatendi, which, by the way, we haven't really talked about, I think is a... Great signing. I actually, I actually think Benintendi for the money, for the what the need is, he's the best signing either team made in Chicago this offseason. That's saying a lot, considering the mm-hmm. Cubs picked up a shortstop. But I love the Benintendi signing for what they need. But where is Gavin Sheets in this mix? Is he going to get right field if Oscar Colas doesn't emerge? Or what's, what's the situation there? So I don't think they need another one necessarily, but they'll bring in some depth for sure. I think you've got to find at bats for Sheets. Uh, because we don't know that Benintendi's power is going to bat, you know, and even at, at his best, he's a 15 home run, 20 home run guy. Sheets really came on in the second half, Connor. So I would not crowd that outfield up any more than it is, even though you're, you're, you're presuming a rookie is going to take right field. I think if anyone falters, Sheets needs to get some at bats. You got to have that left-handed slug, especially if you're going to have a, a righty at second base, as we're talking about with Romy Gonzalez. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's an NRI there, but I, I would I wouldn't you know uh, clog it up too much. I think Gavin Sheets, if he's on this team, and he could be trade bait to be honest. If he's on this team, is going to need some at bats somewhere, and it, it could be right field, it could be it, it could be DH when Eloy's you know sitting out, whatever. But um, I, I think they have enough even in moving Vaughn in the infield from the outfield. Well, you talked earlier, Jesse, about what the shift or, or not having a shift might do to different players, to Benintendi. Sheets is a guy who, if you take that shift away, and we've seen him beat it you know, down the third baseline every now and again, listen, if, if Gavin Sheets just gets to go slug the hell out of the baseball like a lot of big lefties are going to in 2023 because that's the, what they're going to be rewarded for again – you you could do a lot worse than than handing some you know lefty righty sheets versus righty at bats and saying go get them you know go eat you could see rewards there I, I think so I'm not just saying that I I've always thought sheets had that ability didn't get off to a great start came on uh, pretty good in the second half you have to remember with these ball players Connor if they're not getting every day at bats it's really hard to judge them I guarantee you even though Andrew Vaughn played a lot like he is now. 160 games, right? Basically, yeah. like he is licking his chops. Now, Sheets is not going to get that chance, but he showed with some consistent playing time last year, he had some slug. And for a team that doesn't have it from the left side, you, you got to take what you can get. So let, I don't know if he can get the consistent at bats, but he's at least a little bit closer this year because Vaughn's now out of the mix in the outfield. Um, but they've added Ben attending. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, they've added one and subtracted one with a Bray and Ben attending. I think there's value in sheets for a team that needs left-handed slug. You just got to get them the right amount of at-bats. 
So I would say both in Romy's case and Sheets, sort of part-time players last year, I like their floor and their ceiling more than maybe a lot of Sox fans. I think there's something there as they as they you know grow through their careers. Still early in their careers for both of them, especially Romy, obviously. So yes, I, I, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, don't clog it up too much. Let's get some at bats for especially a guy like Sheets. And you know, if, he might have run into 20 now in in part-time duty, which would be pretty impressive. Yeah, it would. I, I wonder when you think uh, last one before we go here about the uh, the catching depth the White Sox have. I, you know, obviously, it was a uh, it's been real tough to keep this Monty Grandal healthy. It's a demanding position more than anything else, and he's on the other side of 30. Sebi Zavala had some good weeks last year. Carlos Perez uh, <clears throat> has been hitting well this offseason in the various places that he's played. We've seen a couple of, you know, like the Tucker Barnharts uh, of the world get signed over the last little bit, you know, kind of that veteran backup, you know, all defense, no stick kind of dude percentage chances that, that there might be another catcher added into the mix or, or that, you know, Sebi could be challenged, I guess, for many places. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. There's a few out there. Torino's, I think there's a, a couple others out there that, that would probably, again, maybe NRIs type of guys. Yeah, but yeah, I think so. Though Sebi has shown a lot you know, in, the, in the limited playing time. He yeah. has shown a lot, especially at the plate. Again, not easy. Backup catcher. You only get a certain amount of, of at-bats. He's probably overachieved a little bit, but that doesn't mean, you know, at some point it's not overachieving. It's who he is. And, look, if Yasmani gets back to who he can be or was, that's a pretty good one-two combination there. But, again, that's best-case scenario. So, yeah, I, I could see a little bit more depth there. There's a there's a few other catchers out there that have experience that are good with pitching staffs that could fit again as an NRI or maybe to push as a backup. So yeah, I think second base catcher, um, those positions, maybe an outfielder for an NRI are all uh, possibilities before spring training. Jesse, appreciate you as always. We'll talk again soon. All right, Connor. Again, congrats. Talk to you, man. Ah, oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. That's Jesse Rogers, ESPN.com, all over the place and here on the station. Uh, ESPN 1000 and a big thanks to Jesse for filling in uh, while I was away on paternity. 312-332. Still, that feels weird to say. It really does. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Uh, more conversation uh, about what the White Sox look like with Andrew Benintendi in the fold. You will hear from Rick Hahn when we come back on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. You can stay up to date on all things White Sox by following the team's official social media accounts. Don't miss a minute of the action on and off the field. Follow at White Sox on social media. Wherever social media still exists today, at White Sox, they got a whole bunch of good stuff for you. Closing it up here on White Sox Weekly, I'm Connor McKnight. Big thanks to Jesse Rogers for hopping on the show earlier. Our producer, Kendra Scott, uh, she's playing the cuts this afternoon. And we've got a couple left from White Sox general manager Rick Hahn who spoke with reporters the other night. Uh, Han was uh, not at the introductory press conference for Benintendi uh, at Guaranteed Break Field due to some travel issues. I don't know if he was on a a flight that got canceled or something like that, but I know there were a lot of those over the last couple of weeks. Um, Either way, Han opened up a press conference the night before Benintendi was introduced, talking a bit about the signing itself. Here's Rick Han. 
start by saying how thrilled we are to add uh, Andrew to the organization. Uh, I actually joked with him uh, when we did a uh, group Zoom call uh, as part of the getting to know you process back in November uh, that I've waited over, uh, I believe, seven and a half years to officially welcome him to the organization given how highly we regarded him when he was at the University of Arkansas. So better late than never, as uh, Andrew certainly fits many of the things that uh, we were looking for this offseason uh, in terms of balancing out our lineup and adding a, a different type of hitter and obviously a, a dynamic player who's earned accolades, not just for his offense, but for his defense as well, and we think makes us uh, a better, well-rounded ball club, both offensively and defensively. Han expounded some on how Benintendi improves the roster from uh, from all kinds of different angles. His profile, both offensively and defensively, we thought were were great complements to what we already had and how we projected to uh, break the season uh, come opening day. Uh, a guy who, obviously not just left-handed, but gives you a tough AB, can grind it out, uh, put up solid uh, on-base numbers towards the top of the lineup, uh, and as well as improve ourselves uh, from an outfield defense standpoint. He, he really uh, fit in a lot of different ways that we were looking to improve ourselves. Uh, I know that I had mentioned uh, that my, my my guess was that more additions were, come, were going to come via trade as opposed to via free agency, but that obviously didn't stop us from, from pursuing uh, guys like Andrew and, and previously Mike Clevenger. Uh, who we felt fit what we needed, and obviously we were able to find a way to make the economics work and, and convert on both of those targets. Yeah, I mean, the economics had to work uh, for Andrew Benintendi. It is the biggest free agent contract offered by the White Sox or given out by the White Sox in, in franchise history, so that matters. Um, it is, I think, also indicative of where baseball is at in terms of free agent signings and, and dollars and money. I mean, listen, the, the players have uh, have struck in this offseason. A lot of big dollars have been given out. And while Benintendi is a, you know, is a well-rounded, left-handed, quality outfielder, um, he is kind of a, you know, a, a top 30 sort of free agent, top 25 sort of free agent. He's, he's not a top 5, top 10 sort of guy. Um, all that to say, costs are going up. And to sign Benintendi for what they did is a, is a good deal, I think, for over the next five years, uh, especially given that, as Rakan kind of said earlier, he fits a lot of things that the White Sox don't have. He's a lefty, well-rounded lefty, and, and kind of the only thing that's, uh, that's void in his game. Not void, but, but lacking some, I guess, uh, in terms of being a corner outfielder is the power. Speaking of power, Benintendi plays left field. Aloy Jimenez, who has a ton of it, had been in left at least a lot over his White Sox career up till now. So Han was asked what this means for both players. I'll leave. Uh, I think that's a better question for Pedro, uh, who will be available tomorrow, and he can explain to you sort of how uh, what we've talked about in terms of Aloy's role going forward, as well as the, the conversations with Aloy. Uh, I will say I, I still expect Aloy to be available and play some outfield. Uh, the positive, you know, if you want to take some positive uh, development out of his limited availability last year, was that Aloy showed that he could thrive in the DH spot offensively when that was his primary spot. Obviously, uh, a lot of players uh, we've seen over time takes a period of time to to adjust to that role, 
and Aloy certainly showed that he's able to produce as a, as a primary DH. Again, that said, I still think there's going to be some opportunities along the way for him to play in the outfield. But that's the best, uh, better question for the manager about how he's going to deploy the roster once once he's available. So one more thing here, and, and he mentioned what Pedro Grafol was going to talk about the next day. Grafol then said in, in his press conference, um, right field is an option for Aloy Jimenez. And after that, <clears throat> I've seen a lot of White Sox fans kind of lose their mind about Aloy Jimenez being in right field or being the right fielder. I don't think that's what Griffol meant. I don't think that the White Sox have right field on the top priority list for Aloy Jimenez in 2023. You put the carrot out there for a young player, and Jimenez is certainly still that. You want to keep the athleticism on the board. If he's going to DH a lot, that's great, but that means you still need Aloy Jimenez to be able to play in that corner probably left at least a couple of times next season. If he plays 20-some games in the outfield, I'm not talking full games, I'm talking 20-some games in the outfield, that makes sense to me. If he's got a couple innings in right field to finish out a game or if things get weird late in extras and the Manford man hasn't scored in an hour and a half, I, that's just that's what it is, right? That's, that's what this is. That's how that works. Uh, I, I wouldn't get all twisted about Aloy Jimenez maybe having a little bit of right field out there for him. I don't think it's the priority for the White Sox coming up. Uh, one more cut from Rick Hahn. We'll get to that next week because it's about second base and whether improving that position is a priority. That's a tease for next week's show because we are out of time. Huge thank you to Kendra Smith, our producer, to Jesse Rogers, our guest. We're back next week for more White Sox Weekly right here on ESPN 1000.